BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club December edition, the final episode of the year. I am so excited to be sitting here with all the girlies in person, in studio. Hey, everyone. Hey, Hey. Jax. Hey, Counselor Dana and Becky. Jax in New York. Jax in New York. Hey. Jax in New York. Hey, take it to Jax in New York. (laughs) What was that? I said take it, Snitch. Yeah, you didn't say Snitch. I think that I did. Good thing we have it recorded. Good thing. So that we can fight about it at a later date. Run it back. And run it back as well. So I'm so excited to be in New York with you guys. We pushed this episode back one week so that we could record it together because it's so fun when we're all together. Plus, this episode is our big episode of the year because not only will we do our usual business, recap, discuss the book, roast it to tears, share the other books we read this month, Hollywood Treatment, etc. But we're also going to rank this year's Redheads books and this year's non-Redheads books that we all read in our spare time. So I'm really excited about all of that and it was worth pushing it back one week so we could do it together. And it was also a long book. We needed a little bit more time. Yeah. 100%. Oh yeah, the extra time didn't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear any complaints from any Redheads. Just obviously like people were really hoping that they're just like waiting always for a Redheads episode. I know, like bated breath. But most people were okay. So before we get into everything, I need to catch up with my girlies. Dana, let's start with you as this was a Danish choice this month. Hi, everybody. I'm thrilled to be here in person. I really thrive of the in-person versus the Zoom stuff. So You get so shy over Zoom. I get so shy. never know when to like butt in. But I'm doing great. Um, I was in Disney World last weekend for my husband's company's off-site, and it was wild times. I was worried I wouldn't have time to finish the book, but lo and behold, I had... uh, seven hour delay on Jeez. the runway on the plane and I took all of that time to finish it so it was kind of a blessing honestly they still did, not enough time they did <laughs> it for you mm-hmm. and um, I would just like to shout out my co-worker my main chick Steph Sundell because she <laughs> bought everyone in my office Redheads merch and oh, it was on everyone's desk today That's I was so getting nice. all these things they're like thank you so much I'm like I don't know what you're talking about that is <laughs> wasn't so me nice. yeah wow Jax you paying her <laughs> no wait that's like she, so like why did she do that like that's she heard so, about like dana's side hustle and project she, and she saw my notebook on my desk and was oh. like what is this and then she used the black friday sale and got the whole team merch that's so so cute bunch of compliance that's girlies crazy. running around like, i would never i do didn't that even do that for, for my family yeah <laughs> i would just never do that like if honestly like i love my coworkers. some of them are my best friends if one of them like had a side hustle like 
I wouldn't go and then purchase for every, like I would just would never do that. And that no, just goes above and beyond. Shows. Wow, stuff. Teaching us so a life nice. lesson about Truly, like me being like, can you cut that out? Like, that's really <laughs> fucking nice. Yeah, no, you, you learned today. And does Steph listen to the podcast? Like, is she going to read the book or? She, she I don't like, think is isn't a listener yet, but like. If you tell her that you mentioned Did you tell her, her it's never too late to I become a redhead? I told maybe. her it is never too late. So like this will maybe be her first episode. That's well, so hi Steph, hey, I promise Steph. I'm not a bitch. Thank you for all the sales. And. <laughs> A great reminder that uh, Redheads merch is available at toastmerch.com. Some things have sold out, but some stuff remains. It's so, so cute. And we're so glad that everybody is getting their threads. People are tagging the Redheads in all their pictures. They're looking fabulous. It's just, per usual, a great time to be a Redhead. Mm-hmm. It really is. Which is never a late time to be a Redhead. <laughs> Let's come up, catch up with the Snatchler. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. If that's all there is from you, Give we need gossip, to go snatch. to the woman of the hour. Yeah, like, why do, there's nothing I got to say. Like, <sighs> this is your show, right? Becky, you guys, Becky in the last month got engaged. If you follow Woo! us on Instagram, if you follow us on IG, you were one of the first to know you got an exclusive pick. Truly, like those who follow got the exclusive because I was getting literal pings like on my like corporate email Margot, Claudia, and Jackie just posted that you got engaged. Congratulations. I was like, I have been engaged for approximately 36 seconds. But yes, you guys, someone wants to marry me. I'm so happy for you. Thank you so What's much. What's so crazy is when we started this podcast, you had a different boyfriend. Correct. Then at one point in the podcast, you were single. Correct. At one point in the podcast, you had just met your man's Evan. At one point, you were moving in with him. And now you are a fiance. Yes, the redheads of see me through all these life phases that's, that's crazy, so crazy. Also, but also your life really has changed like so much in the past like two years oh my god for the fucking better let yeah, me of tell course. you i shed some dead weight ladies <laughs> <laughs> and like i just have been thriving like evan is like my actual better half like i'm truly so lucky and it just goes to show that like your perfect person is out there if like you're ever in doubt like i was like like in a deep relationship with someone else and it sucked and it's just like there's a way out and like there's something better on the other side we so hope just- he's listening right now <laughs> i'm sure he is honestly fuck off <laughs> um but also like so many like these girlies alongside me um were like such a big part of the engagement which was so special Jax was like on FaceTime the entire time and like I would say it's one of the biggest regrets is like that you weren't like literally attached to my hip but I FaceTimed you the second it happened right and I knew that I was coming this week Correct. and so I would be seeing you soon and be celebrating properly we're gonna go to dinner tonight and I'm really excited to just like stare at that ring all night because it's <laughs> oh fucking gorgeous it's, it's fucking distracting. huge I it's, can't stop staring at it it's I'm so obsessed with pretty, it like and it's so classic but cool just like Bex Totally. Thank you guys so much. You guys, it's an antique stone. So, like, there's some history behind it, which is like Just a- like Bex. She's a historical fiction queen. <laughs> Thank you so much for <laughs> acknowledging the connection, which is basically the whole reason why I was like, I think I need to go this direction for my engagement ring. Yeah, like... The- I love historical fiction so <laughs> much. No, the heroines that you read about would go for that ring. I... I mean, they could have had this and ring before me. And that was inspiration me. for Evan, I heard. That's what I heard, allegedly. Like, oh, he was talking to his daughter, and he was like, I just want something that, like, Becky, who's a heroin addict, <laughs> would feel good about. <laughs> Disclaimer, I don't actually do heroin. Heroin with an E at the end. Other heroin still has an E at yeah, the end. Yeah, I was going to say, yes, no, yes, it no, does. No, it doesn't. I don't think Heroine so. oh, yeah, is I think a you're female right. hero. 
are you guys are supposed to be literary? <laughs> Honestly, and you guys do a book club. <laughs> <laughs> the two of us and Lily's literary in this book club. So true. So motherfucking wow, true. You guys are like clowning on me. That's <laughs> I was just excited for the one time you might be wrong. You know? Yeah, and like here we are being like, actually, Jackie. Yeah. Actually, Jackie. We book. know about heroin. Actually, Jackie, we're dumber than we look. <laughs> so you say you look smart? Yeah, especially in your outfit. Thanks. Snatcher came here like a corporate queen, which she is one. And we were just having doing a podcast with Cheryl Sandberg. So it's really <laughs> exciting to have you on the on the pod. Thank you. I have we really sp- are an eclectic group of ladies in our outfits. Yeah. Like, I have a speaking oh, engagement. Yeah. I would like today. to add one thing. Mm-hmm. On this Disney work trip, Josh is new, so he has no friends. And I was like kind of okay. trying to make friends for him to like help him out. And we were on a bus ride somewhere. And these girlies behind us were playing Midnights. And they just seemed so cool. And I was like, oh, these are the friends that like you should make at work. And I stood up at the end. I was like, I love the Taylor Swift playlist. Like, thanks for making my night. Such a loser. Like, can't I, make friends. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm dying. Just, I, like, my heart But hurts. then, the next morning, I got a DM from them. Up. Uh, uh, Hello, I am a huge toaster and redhead. The toast and redhead coming to save the day. <laughs> yeah. To save Dana from humiliation. <laughs> yeah. No, truly, we, like, make waves, like, in a way that, like, I never expected. Like, obviously, like snitch and jacks are legitimately famous but like when we got engaged evan's mom sent a picture to like a friend of hers who showed like their daughters and they were like evan's marrying becky from the redheads oh my god like, we love the redheads and so we love funny. becky from the redheads and becky like, from the redheads becky from the like, redheads I, my takeaway from this is i can't believe people reference me as becky because like i'm right. rebecca it's like, it kind of like your stage name because no one calls you becky in life other than me most people call you rebecca or rit is your real nickname but because I'm always introducing you on the Redheads, I call you Becky. And so, like, you're Becky here, and you're not Becky elsewhere. Not even close. But it gets crazy to me that people think I'm genuinely Becky. Yeah. And, like, I can be her for, like, a certain part of, like, the world. But, like, to be clear, like... You're, Han- you're like, I'm Montana. Like, you're Becky in it's the my streets. Dream. You're right. Writ in the streets. <laughs> Hey. hey, Jackie, how are you? Yes, Jack. Oh, yeah. I'm good. Thank you, everyone. Last month has been great. I've just been home in Florida, working, chilling, being a mom, cooking. Thanksgiving was a blast. Mm, chilling. Uh, chilling, reading a lot. So excited for that section of the episode. And yeah, I'm excited to be back here. This is such a great time of year. So I'm so I'm enjoying. But yeah, I don't think this month there was no big milestone. No. I mean, your culinary conquests are a milestone. Oh, thank you. It's That's, really crazy. Yeah, it's crazy how when we started this podcast, I couldn't cook, and now I can cook. And like, you, <laughs> you've just like set your mind to stuff and done it. You know, cooking. Yeah. Why are you driving? laughing at me, Snatch? Like the way you said that, now I can cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did say it like that. I did. Oh my God, you guys, I'm so happy to be in person. I know. Snitch, thanks for making the time. Yeah, I really, like, I was having I mean, a hard fucking there's time. There's been some drama in the Redheads chat because... Because, guys, it is like, just asking me to like leave work early is really difficult, but I figured it out. And, and it's, it's, not, one, it's not difficult for any of us. No, but like two. I'm done at six. Okay, and I had to leave it. We appreciate Snitchy, and we work too, so we understand. It's a heavy yeah, lift. But you guys are further along in your careers, you know. <laughs> oh, 
she makes an interesting point. You're calling us old? <laughs> no, yeah, at you all. guys are old wenches who are. And like you, like you know what I mean. Like, not and useful. also when the when the idea was brought up, you were in like, ooh, let me see if I can do that. You're like, yeah, for sure. I was like, nine a.m., ten a.m., eleven a.m. I'm free. <laughs> oh my god, I gotta check some shit. <laughs> I was like, honestly, I'll take the week to record this episode. Why not? Um, but yes, I did. Make I owe it my work. boss. But honestly, it worked out because I'm in this period where um, I work at a company that still has PTO. Like, you know, it's not unlimited. And so I'm at this point where I have so much leftover PTO and not all of it carries over. So I've got some hours to get rid of. So then I like put in like oh, some sweet, hours. Let's make a plan. I, yeah. I told you I wanted to come to Florida. I have miles to hit. No, but let's go shopping tomorrow or something. I was going to take off Friday. Can't wait. Where are we going? I thought we were going to go to the Rockettes. Oh, yeah. We'll talk. We'll chat. We'll talk I haven't offline. taken the day we'll off offline. <laughs> we'll um, talk offline. But anyway, I was pushing the in-person because I knew that the animosity towards me for pushing in-person would just dissipate the second we got here. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great to be back together. You can feel the electricity in the room. But we do need to talk about this month's book. So right. it's December. Dana's choice. She always rounds out the year with a strong choice. Last year was The Midnight Library. The Ooh. year before was The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. And this year it was Horse by Geraldine Brooks. And there's so much to discuss about this book and I'm so excited. And overall it was a really great book. There was so much going on so I think there's parts that you can love more than other parts. But before we get in I'll give you a quick summary of the book in case you didn't read it or in case you weren't paying attention. So Horse is set in three different time periods. The first is 1850s Kentucky uh, on a horse farm where we meet the horse who is central to this book. His name, his birth name is actually Darley, but his racing name is Lexington to represent his hometown of Lexington, Kentucky. And from the day that he is born, he has by his side a boy named Jarrett. Now, Jarrett, this is the 1850s, so Jarrett is a slave and he works on a horse farm with other slaves who are grooms or jockeys and what I didn't realize until I read this book is how much slavery played a role in like early horse racing totally uh and then also especially after the civil war and the emancipation I think the author talked about that at the end how then everything changed the racial dynamics changed once the slaves were freed and and it became very bad for black people in Mm -hmm. racing uh but that's an aside so that's the first portion is like the life of Lexington the horse who goes on to be the greatest racehorse of all time greater than Secretariat greater than Seabiscuit greater than you know American Pharaoh and what all about the Man other, of War all the other trendy horses of today who okay I did research wow can you, share, can you hold your niche is obsessed with yeah, horses I love yeah we too, gotta talk so there's thrilled. an alliance here between yeah. Dana yeah, and yeah, Snitch yeah, yeah, for sure a for rare sure. one so Lexington is the greatest horse who ever raced I did not know who he was before and even Snitch who's a horseophile didn't know mm-hmm. who he was before <laughs> and for many reasons he was the greatest horse and the author illustrates those reasons one physically is he's a marvel he's bred from Boston who's his father horse who was like one of the greatest horses but didn't have the right disposition to be like a great thoroughbred mm-hmm. and I don't know who his mother horse was but actually Jarrett who is Lexington's main, I don't know groom. what, groom. Yeah. And then trainer. Yeah. But, and he also carved out a role for himself that mm-hmm. maybe other people didn't do, like sleeping with the horse and being there for their every need. But Jarrett's father was a trainer and, and not a breeder, but uh, would make recommendations about what would be a, a good breed. So he is the one who was responsible for the birth of Lexington using his knowledge. And he looked at the male horse and the female horse and was like together these two that's the one and he was right so physically he's 
incredible Lexington, but also, and this is what the, the author definitely editorializes this, but what I got from it is the way that Lexington is raised, quote unquote, being so close to Jarrett, Jarrett being very patient and loving towards Lexington instead of harsh and abusive like other trainers are whipping the horses, you know, kicking the horses to go faster. Jarrett is very sweet with like loves him so much and Lexington will do whatever Jarrett wants, but also he is physically superior and so he kills it. But it's really like a perfect marriage of like why this horse is so, so great. So we get the 1850s Lexington. Over the years, he wins so many races. He does really, really well. We are introduced to a character called Thomas Scott. He's an artist who's from the north who travels down to the south to paint various horses. And over the course of Lexington's career, he paints him a few times. And Thomas and Jarrett become pretty good friends every time Thomas is in town to Peyton Lexington like they have a nice time so he's given Jared a couple of the draft photos of Lexington and so that's an important piece because then we jump to 2019 where there are two researchers who come together separately one of them works at the Smithsonian the other works is a student a PhD student who finds an old picture of a horse and thinks that it might be something and the other researcher who works at the Smithsonian is tasked with finding the bones of this old horse that someone is looking for it turns out the horse in the picture the horse with the bones is the same horse and he's the goat of horses and he's really been forgotten so these two Jess and Theo are their names they come together they're an unlikely pair first it's just about the horse and then all of a sudden like they're fucking and they fall in love then they come to wonder where did this random picture of the horse that we found on the side of the road come from it came from the gallery of Martha Jackson who's Martha Jackson she's like a storied collector from the 1950s who did Jackson Pollock all this like modern art she had one piece of art from the 1850s who where why when how where did she come from the author I think completely made up this part about where it came from but Martha Jackson's housekeeper had this old picture Mm -hmm. in her family she needed money to send her brother to college so she asked her boss who was an art dealer if she could sell it for her and Martha herself loves horses so much that she bought it for herself at, in the 1950s for $1,000. And then in 2019, by the end of the book, the picture is worth $15,000. Not going to lie, I thought it'd be worth more. Of course, <laughs> me too. One of, that's on my list of gripes with the book. Like all mm-hmm. of this for a pick. Like I thought this piece of art that would be unearthed that was like, you know, in someone's basement was about to be the fucking Mona Lisa. Because at one point someone said, if you had a picture of the Mona Lisa, would you call it woman smiling? That was literally (laughs) right. right. They had a picture of Lexington. They called it horse. Literally. I digress. So obviously all of these storylines have a lot more detail to them, but it tells these three stories and it puts together who Lexington was, how he's rediscovered in the modern era. A lot of it follows things that really happened. Like in 2010, Lexington had a big moment where he was kind of rediscovered. He's in the International uh, Museum of the Horse. His bones, which were put together improperly, were then re- assembled to accurately convey what he looked like and and his why his physical strength was so mighty and the book at the end we're now in 2019 where Jess and Theo are planning their lives together they've fallen in love Jess is from Australia Theo lived in the UK but now they both live in America and they're having a lovely romance there's a dog he's so sweet 
And then Theo goes for a run and he is shot dead by the police. And what was, I don't know what percentage that was at, but that was at like 90%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in the last 10%, it's just like dealing with the aftermath of that. And also Theo is a black man. He's originally from, he's half Nigerian. Yeah. Because I think his mother's Nigerian. Yeah. But his, both of his parents were diplomats. So he's really a citizen of the world in terms of where he's from. But um, racially he is black. So, and Jess is white. And that, we'll get into like the, um, details of their storyline but that's how the book ends and then also the author gave a lot of really good historical information mm-hmm. about the other characters in the book who I did not realize were real people like mm-hmm. Cassius Clay oh yeah Thomas Scott the art the art part is all real yeah I think that's something about the book that I just find a little confusing is like there's so much truth that are things that are hard facts that are primary sources and then there's so much that's editorialized and it's like I need to have like a list of what's what yeah. because I take, I'm kind of taking all of it as fact when it is not. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's the book. Well done. Bravo. We'll get into all the that details. was crazy. Thank you. <laughs> Let's get into our overall thoughts on the book. Did we like it? Dana, start with you as it was your choice. I love this book. I'm so happy I chose it. Reading the description, I was like, hell no. This looks like the most boring thing I could ever pick up, but it had such good reviews. Jackie said her book club in Florida, their like veteran member recommended it. Mm-hmm. So I took a risk and it was well worth it. I will say I really preferred the historical mm-hmm. accounts in the book mm-hmm. when they were going through Jared and the horse versus the present day. I found myself constantly wanting to go back there. And I did get like very confused at certain points about especially the paintings like could not follow which one Thomas Scott did and when like when we got to Martha's character I'm like I'm tapped out like I can't fit another person in my brain in this book from another perspective but overall I didn't think it as confusing to follow as I thought it might be at one point and I loved loved it great snitch what about you our horse queen i actually really love this book and what's so funny is like literally everyone told me i was gonna hate it because like it's just like not my kind of book but what people didn't know is that i'm a horse girl did not know. but what i will say is like if you're not a horse girl like i think that you would hate this book do you know what i mean like it's just not like if you're not interested in things like this if secretariat didn't capture you the way it captured me you know like i could understand why people would hate this book especially because it's long and it's confusing like you have to have some sort of interest in what this is about. Do you know what I mean? But what I will say is I did really enjoy the book. I did also find myself, I only really wanted to hear about the history part, like the modern day. I was like, whatever. Jess, like I was fine with because it was still like scientific in a way. Theo, like I really just couldn't be bothered. And then when Martha Jackson was introduced, I was like, fuck this. I was like, come on, like we're done. I do agree. I was so confused about like there were so many different paintings and like there was one like with Jared in it. Then there was one without Jared in it. And like the ones where like he's a cult and then he's like at his peak I'm like are there four or are there two like I I have no idea Um, I think that was kind of the point it's like which one is the one that Theo found on the street which one is the one that Martha bought like you're kind of having to piece together because there's and then there are some hanging in museums right um but am I allowed to share my history yet or that my research yet or no um let's let's get the rest everyone else's thoughts and then let's do your okay. your research um but i have a question for dana and rebecca like do you guys love secretariat the movie or- i've never even seen that that's <gasps> what i was gonna say i watched like, it the second i finished i actually book. couldn't feel uh, in more disagreement i don't like horses and the reason i liked the book is because it was so foreign to my interests i agree with you i yeah. le- i'm neither here nor there on horses like i've ridden horses i think they're beautiful like i'm definitely fascinated but i wouldn't say i'm a horse girly 
And I thought it was really interesting learning more about horses and racing. It's just an area that I don't have a lot of expertise in. So I'm always interested in like kind of exploring something new, especially the historical context. So I loved the book for that reason. I feel like I learned a lot. It's so funny. I actually really enjoyed the present day, oftentimes more Mm. than the past. The past kind of became a burden after a little bit. I felt like it was just a little long. All the races at the racetrack. I was like, oh my God, like we're doing this again. We're doing another race. Like, wow, I'm exhausted. (laughs) What is the best part? (laughs) When I was reading the races, the first few went by really quickly. And I was like, wow, I'm really glad the author didn't make a meal out of like, who's going to be there? Like, that's how I felt when I was reading Carrie Soto too. I was like, I don't want to hear about every point. Like, who won? And I feel like the first few races, it's like, Lexington wins. Go move on with your day. (laughs) And then she really started to drag them out. It was belabored a tiny bit. Maybe what races and things like that are hard to read because you really have to use your imagination to like put it together. Yeah. Yeah. So I really enjoyed the present day because hearing about like the the Smithsonian research science, I loved hearing about like the different buildings at the Smithsonian, like how they're Mm -hmm. like detecting dead languages and just that kind of was blowing my mind. And Jess was obviously like so like well pronounced in her field. I really enjoyed hearing more about that. I was like, wow, like it's so cool being such an expert about something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was all fascinating to me. I would say the back half of the book lost me a little bit, not like in terms of interest, like I was invested throughout, but I thought that it was so freaking tight in the front half. I was like, this is maybe like the best book I've ever written. And I don't feel the same after closing the book. I just think that like the back half was a lot of different places, a lot of directions. I was like, who the heck is May? Like I, like I forget everybody (laughs) and like the daughters. I was like, who's a daughter? Who's a wife? Who's who's (laughs) mad at who? And I was like a little exhausted. I did like hearing about Martha Jackson, honestly. Like I liked her representation of like Jackson Pollock. Like I liked hearing about his like mental bee. Like it was just, so it's funny because like it seems like we all took away different yeah. positives and favorite elements of the but book. I totally agree about first half being tighter than the second half. Yeah. Definitely. I would say like the middle, 25 to 75%. Because I thought in the beginning like it was kind of slow and and you're trying to get your footing and she's setting the scene which is good like even the modern day stuff which at points I really enjoyed at other points I didn't like I enjoyed learning about like the articulation and the bones and like that's her job and and what they do at the Smithsonian and that storage unit that's like full of all this stuff like that's crazy that they have the bones of animals from hundreds of years ago that's crazy but it got a little along in the tooth with like a lot of the descriptive stuff no pun intended (laughs) especially when I was so invested in Jarrett's story that I'm like take me back I'm ready to go back now I like the Martha Jackson part because one it was interesting and it was like uh postmodern era I'm not I don't really know Jackson Pollock so I didn't know about the crash in the car and didn't mean that much to me Mm -hmm. but I also liked that piece of it because I felt like she only got like two or three chapters and it wasn't yeah belabored but I really, really liked the book and I liked the premise of the book. And I liked this idea that they're on this like fact-finding mission of like piecing together what they're learning and then we're learning it along with them. And then immediately after, like they figure that out. Like perfect example is the eye, the corrosive mm-hmm. eye disease. Yeah. And at one point it's like this horse suffered horrible yeah. abuse. And then you immediately realize that like, no, he didn't. And then they immediately realize that too. So I, I liked how the 
the whole puzzle was coming together. But did you piece together that the person who realized it was like, it's probably from a time that he was overeating. Yes. And then I like, didn't until real- they had to spell it out for yeah. me at the end. I didn't catch it. Oh the no, first it was time. from the colic. No, no it, it was from, remember when he was in the hands of, Pryor. Um, Pryor. yeah. And then he got colic. He didn't get colic. He didn't get colic. They thought that but might he got happen. Sick. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I just thought he no, had he a colic. Got colic. He got colic with, guys. With Pryor. Remember he like ran and got Jared. Yeah. Yeah. He got sick. No, it was colic. He was colic. But he had, he got into the feed and Jared was like, you let him get into the feed and he like ate himself sick. Yeah. And he's like, why didn't, and that was like, because of that. Yeah. 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 The only part we're arguing about is I don't know that he had colic. He did have colic. He had colic, but I thought... No, I think I, they I were like waiting to see if he had a colic. No, oh, he definitely had colic. I'm he not had colic. On he had colic. Okay, he wasn't I'm not okay. confident enough to say either way, but we are all in agreement that the grain triggered potentially yeah, his like eye if, damage. If everyone just fucking listened to Jarrett, <laughs> it wouldn't have fucking happened. The book should be called Listen to Jarrett. 100%. <laughs> Trust Jarrett implicitly. And I kind of liked how prior they just left him behind. How they were like, oh, we thought that would work out, but it didn't. Like, we got rid of him after that stint. And Except we, never we saw knew him it again. was not going to work out, and we still sent him and there. like so much suffering was endured yeah when, i think the whole point was for him to like understand how other slaves lived at that time right and, and also it was a huge point of growth for yeah, jared yeah like he learned how to read he had like this uh perspective like he met other people and even he said like his capacity for compassion like really yes, expanded yes and also i think the boys the book starts with jared is very young he's like a boy and at a certain point in the book like he is a man and then later he's like a grown-ass man but like there needed to be this period of transition where it's like then the next time we see Jarrett he is a man it on his own yes so let's get into my history Margot's history yeah (laughs) okay because I was so confused why I had never heard of Lexington ever because like after secretariat like I've like done research like I know like other names of like like some of the greatest resources of our time and like what they say is that the top two it's between secretary and man of war and there's no like there's no definitive answer but when's man of war from he's like 1917 and secretary it's like 1970s got it um so lexington was never there so i think what's important to note is that lexington was the fastest runner of his time of course which doesn't mean that he was one of the great, greatest racehorses because he's not even on the list of top 10. Like, I don't think he's even on the list of top 20. What his biggest feat is, is that he's the greatest sire of the second half of the 19th century. Yeah. But even still, he's not one of the greatest sires ever. But it's just of his time, mm-hmm. which I think is just interesting because basically, I'm going to read a fact. Lexington was the fastest runner of his time, but more important, he was the greatest sire of his time, producing more champion offspring than any other stallion. He led America's sire list for 14 consecutive years and then the list twice more posthumously. Whoa. So 16 years total. Yeah. So, which, but who has more years than that? Then in, um, in all of history. Who's the greatest sire of all time, not just of his time? It says first down dash was the greatest sire of all time. Who and I, it was I don't first know. down dash also the greatest runner of his time because maybe Lexington is so great because because he did both because could he did be both. could be but I'm just saying, but I'm just saying like I don't think we can say he was, he was one of the greatest racehorses of all time because well it's also different it reminds me of the Olympics how every Olympics like new world records are set it reminds me of gymnastics gymnastics are doing tricks that 100 years ago like, totally they got up there and they yeah. did a cartwheel and they were the greatest but it's like the trainings have changed the knowledge has changed the medicine has changed 100% so, I just wanted to give some some facts 
We yeah. hate your fans. No, it's hard to. It's hard no, he to was compare. still iconic. I'm just saying. No, but I feel like that could explain that. Also, it's important to note that he only ran seven races. Yeah. They they said like his career was so short lived, yeah. but he was the fastest ever. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, he ate too much, you guys. <laughs> he got yeah, too but cool. also, as they said, like that saved his life because yeah. he didn't just ran until he died. Um, and so right. He I loved that for like, him. Yeah. 25 years. Like he was a grown man. I also, loved. what I thought was interesting, and I don't know if we knew this, but that. He died, and then only a few months later was he exhumed and taken to D.C. and then stored at the Smithsonian where he was rarely displayed, which I just think is interesting. Like, they buried him, and then a few months later, they exhumed him just to put him in an attic. I mean, like, what were they going to do? Like, take his dead so body? Why exhume he, him? he didn't go immediately to the attic. He was on display for a while. It says, he. all it said is he was rarely displayed. <laughs> Over the course of 150 years. But it, they said that in the beginning, like, he was displayed, and then interest wanes and mm-hmm. new horses come up. So he was the greatest racehorse of his time. And, and I think he set the bar for these other horses. And for the sire. And for the sire. Yeah. My question, though, is I know what a colt is. What's a foal? Female. Oh. I believe. Oh. Or a baby. Maybe. No, colt, is, colt a baby. is a baby. The colt's the baby, yeah. The foaling. No, I'm sorry. Female, it's not foaling. Because it said foaling. Like, it's like, the, maybe it's baby baby. Why don't we just Google I'm it? I'm just going to Google it. <laughs> like, old definition. A young horse or a related animal. Foal and a colt. And you can also give birth to a foal. That's called foaling. Oh, the term colt only describes young male horses and is not to be confused with foal, which is a horse of either sex less than one year of age. Uh, so uh, colts get, so like, men get a Like name? I said, a baby horse. <laughs> a baby baby. A baby baby, 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 baby horse. Baby. Okay. Instead of a toddler Snitch, horse. I'm really, really happy that you were so interested in this book to do external research on your own time. That warms my heart. Well, I was just upset. I was really more so, I was upset that I didn't know. The like that I never heard of Lexington. Like, if you read the last yeah. section, they kind of try to explain who was real and who was not. Yes. But it was hard to follow. But still, like, knowing that at the end, like, if I knew it before, yeah. which maybe it's just because, like, I, maybe a lot of people know Cassius Clay and, like, I'm a dumb bitch. I was like, is this but Muhammad Ali? But if I knew Ali? before, then I would have been like, hey, there's Cassius Clay. I knew Cassius daughter, Clay and, like, Henry like, Clay, like. Yeah. But also, like, I have been to Kentucky and I feel like I, like, learned a lot of it there. I That's went cool. to Kentucky, but I didn't learn and I wish I knew. You should have went to the International Museum of the Horse. And I would have. <laughs> you I know went where, to Keeneland. Yeah. I, I have more research to do because, like, where's the secretariat at? That's where I want to go. Okay. Take us there, Cowns. Redheads <laughs> field trip. Okay. Uh, offsite. No, but Sorry, first guys. you have to do your homework and watch it. Okay. You too. Yep. Oh, since she's doling out homework. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll do, like, another um, movie, movie night. night. I would ha- ha- be ha- happy to. Ha, ha, ha. I watched it this weekend. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, you guys, we have to yes, get into the questions. But before we do, I need to let you know today's episode is brought to you by Shelf Savvy. Get the books you love at the price you love. Shelf Savvy searches for the best book deals so you don't have to. Discover premium deals you won't find anywhere else. Not only does Shelf Savvy offer amazing deals on ebooks, but unlike other book sale sites, Shelf Savvy has paperback and hardcover books too. So you can save on books no matter how you like to read. Discounts on print books are always 45% off or more. And for ebook lovers, get your favorite reads for less than $4. Plus, you can add a book to your watch list to make sure that you always get the books on your TBR at the best price. Just add the books you want to read to your watch list and Shelf Savvy will alert you when it goes on sale so you never miss a book deal again. 
spend less money, read more books. If that ain't the Redhead's motto, I don't know what is. It is that easy. Get fresh deals every day at Shelf Savvy. Visit ShelfSavvy.com to learn more and sign up today. So not only does Shelf Savvy have amazing books, but they also have so many former Redhead's choices like Girl With No Job, which is 45% off. The Four Wins, which is 52% off. The Good Sister, which was not a Redhead's book, but should be, and we love our Queen Sally Hepworth, 56% off. And A Slow Fire Burning is half off. So they have great prices and if you want to become more invested in the Redheads, listen to more episodes, that's a great place to read former books of ours. So check it out, shelfsavvy.com. That's S-H-E-L-F-S-A-V-V-Y.com. Great. Let's get into the questions. First up, on page 28, Theo from the Georgetown, Washington, D.C. 2019 scenes Theo reflects that depictions of horses are among the oldest art humans created. The book's epigraphs reflect on the significance of Lexington in his day, an even bigger celebrity than Seabiscuit or Secretariat. Discuss the enduring... In his day, he was a bigger celebrity because horse racing was bigger then than it was in... 1917 1970s okay, okay. counselor is that okay she yeah but like, like sec- so personally secretary like united the nation you know <laughs> yeah uh lexington actually did not I, I think he divided the nation yeah i think yeah. he divided maybe that's divided. why he divided maybe that's why he's like infamous yeah but i do think based on what i read but also i don't know shit about fuck like this was like the heyday for horse racing because also now we like then in the 1900s there's cars we have car racing mm-hmm. there's all these different sports there's you know technology like there were only, only of, so many forms of entertainment back in the day. And yeah. also after the Civil War, it became so divisive. Like right. No one was like enjoying it anymore because it became like a race heated situation. Yes. So discuss the enduring human fascination with horses. Do they move you more than other animals, Margot Ashray? And if so, why do they move you more than animals, Margot? They move me because Magnolia looks like a horse. <laughs> you were obsessed with Secretariat before Magnolia. I was. That's true. Yeah. Well, maybe because my heart knew like I was going to have a little secretariat at some point. Maybe you chose Nolio because she looks like secretariat. Maybe. It could all be subconscious. I have no idea. I don't know. I just think that they are like these like machines, like Mm -hmm. these like stallions. I think it's fucking crazy what they can do. And it's like there are obviously other animals that are like like that and like fast and shit, but like they're not like sweet, you know, like we have like wolves and like foxes and shit but they're fucking scary like horses are like just like a grown-up dog like is so sweet and cute and just wants to be loved but then also like a, a fucking machine and I think that's sick yeah what I find so interesting about horses is that they like human history as we know it would not exist the way that it does without horses like mm-hmm. they built everything they, they carried, built this city they carried everyone everywhere like they were transportation they were entertainment they were commerce it was every like so much of the foundation of civilization is due to the role of horses. And I think that that is unlike any other animal. And I actually feel like today, probably the last hundred years, but in the grand scheme of history, hundred years is nothing, is like really the only time that horses are, aside from ranching and Yellowstone, shout out to the horses and, and also horse actors. I think we need justice for them too. Totally. Um, horses don't have the role that they used to have. They used to be central to everything. They were cars. They were everything. Yeah. And now they're not. So that like makes me, I mean, I guess it's good that we don't rely on them as much. And I think anytime we use a horse for something, like people get really upset. True. But think about how horses used to be used. And I imagine like that's how they were meant to be used. 
they're just en- enchanting creatures yeah. Yeah. yeah even like when we're like going on a long car ride and we like pass a farm and see a horse everyone like you can't see one without the saying window. horse yeah there's a horse <laughs> so true yeah. i admire horses i just have like legitimately no emotional attachment to it like do not feel any which way completely indifferent admire their stallionness, but otherwise we'll never think about a horse again but Dana, that's book. you towards everything yeah. and everyone uh, i think you have some deep interests and this is just not one of them i i like also think it's too big for my comprehension like i i like small dogs that i can like yeah hold. you do like dogs yeah like small and babies yeah 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 like horses are too like i have to get up on top of it and like i don't know it's, yeah it's too big for me got it well I think it was a great subject matter <laughs> for, for this book. For this book. Yes. And also just their role in obviously entertainment, in art, even in uh, sports and recreation, like because they talked a lot about polo. It just really was an, a great well-rounded view about the role of the horse in modern history, which is actually nothing compared to the role of the horse throughout history. Well said. Thank you, Bex. Next up, Theo and Jess are both obsessed with their rarefied fields of expertise. Does the author manage to convey why these unusual careers can be so compelling? If so, how? Oh, I mean, this is what I was describing that was so touching for me. It was fascinating to read about these unusual career paths that obviously captured the heart, soul, mind of these main characters. And I think being an expert in something is very specific and skilled and unusual and in like a world of generalists to like really know everything not I mean I'm speaking generally but like to be the go-to person Mm -hmm. is really just like fascinating to me and I like that like Theo really stuck to his guns about his feeling about his field like even when he was meeting with his um, thesis advisor or mm-hmm. PhD like dissertation advisor she was like a little bit like eh, are you really sure you want to go in this direction and he was so like firm in his conviction being like yes this is how I feel and I'm excited to explore it and like expose this portion of like like this side of history yeah so I thought it was awesome I find like other people's passions to be weirdly relaxing for me to listen to like mm-hmm. I really enjoy listening to people be experts on stuff I also was cracking up from Jess when she was like dirty talking to Theo by describing his bone structure, how it like helped his mobility yeah. <laughs> and she could like see through him. Like that cracked me up. And I really liked their banter together. Like they were just one expert talking about expert stuff to another and it was refreshing. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. But then when I think back on it, I'm like, it's so convenient to the storyline that she's a bone expert, they have the horse bones, he's an art history expert centered around equine history, and he has the picture. And of course it's a book, so like she needs to get there, and that's the vessels that she used to get there. But it just was like a little too perfect, and they run into each other, and they have the same bike, and then it all kicks off from there. Yeah, I feel like a lot of stories that fluctuate between perspectives give a little room for mystery of like, how will they eventually connect? And this was so in your face. Yeah, and it's like, Jess only found out about the picture because she was walking past the room and it was there. Yeah, it was a little unnatural. It it was a little unnatural. A little forced, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yes, but I had that same thought. I'm like, oh, there's no room for interpretation. Like, (laughs) they're just going to throw it exactly at us. Yeah. No, one of my notes when I was reading it, it like underlined like, coincidence? Like there were so many coincidences. <laughs> yes. 
Next, Jared's connection with horses is presented as stronger than his bonds with people. How does his love for and dedication to Lexington help or hamper his coming of age and his transformation over the course of the novel? That's such an interesting point. Like it, it, his connection with Lexington both helps him so much, but also hampers him as well. And I think most obviously like Lexington and horses to him, like were far kinder and more reliable than people were mm-hmm. at that time. And... I loved the bo- like you could really feel the connection between Lexington and Jared. I feel like the author did a really good job of describing all that, like the way his ears would perk in one way, and and just how he would connect with the horse. I thought that that picture was painted perfectly. Agreed, and also like the the scene that really captivated me was when Thomas Scott asked Jarrett for his opinion on what the horse was like. And originally he gave like a bare bones answer. And when Thomas Scott pushed and was like, no, what's the horse like? And he described it as if it was a human being mm-hmm. in terms of like all yeah. of its interests and the way it played with others. Like that's how J- you knew Jared had a pulse on horsemanship that others just were incapable of doing. Yeah. I did think that he was pretty perceptive with people as well. Yeah. I didn't think that he was incredibly stunted. Um, so, I don't know. I, I didn't view his like deep connection with Lexington to have hindered him, but it's a, it's a question I need to maybe ponder a little I further. I felt like it hindered him. I mean, in the end, and the way the story goes, like every decision that he made was the right one. It actually was good that he didn't tell Tenbrook that Lexington was going blind because then Tenbrook didn't take him to the UK to be his trainer and instead he went to the horse farm with Lexington where he could see him you know till his final days but at certain points like Jarrett could have maybe bought his freedom and he didn't because he was so tied to Lexington I think in that way it hampered him like he chose Lexington over his own freedom at certain points and like at that might have been a hindrance that yeah. he couldn't imagine a, a life away from this horse. Yeah. It was like Mary at one point was like, leave. Like, who cares? It's a horse. There will be other horses. And he couldn't fathom that. And he was, yeah. when he was getting read the riot act, like, yo, if you had just told me this horse was blind, you would have touched down as free on European soil. And now you're banished back. He was not upset about it because he was still with Lexington. And that should have been like the peak of his Maro- anger. Yeah. 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 And so I think that in that way, it really hampered him. But uh, then again, like, him staying by Lexington's side the whole time helped him immensely and then he got to this you know bucolic idyllic horse farm where he is running the show mm-hmm. and eventually well he got his freedom by crossing state lines right he didn't have to buy it and yeah, it wasn't given to, to Illinois him. when he went to Illinois yeah. that's how he got his freedom so at the end you know and he lives a very happy life and has a family so I think like this question says like it really helped and hindered him at times mm-hmm. but the way it all ends up is a, is a happy ending, but that's also because this is fiction. So if this were, if this story of Jarrett were true, I wonder what it would have meant for him. I don't know. Horse racing in the mid-19th century was very different to its modern iteration. What surprised you? Do you think horse racing today takes adequate care for the well-being of the equines, counselor? Um, I don't know because I really don't pay attention to horse racing now, but I would assume so only because we live in a world where if there was any wrongdoings, like we'd know. You know what I mean? Like you yeah, can't. Like abuse of animals does not stand. Exactly. But the Catherine, I think her name was that Oxford researcher, like made a really interesting case about how it used to be you wouldn't race a horse till he was four years old because his bones were completely formed and strong. And now we're racing horses at two years old. We're racing them to death. 
you know, racing. Are we practices. still racing them to death? I thought we were racing them to death then. No, I no, think we're racing them to death now. Bad. I think the abuse, and I think then when it was the sole form of entertainment, like people had more care in their horses. And I feel like now it's kind of more like a breeding farm and we'll race you till you die and then on to the next one. Yeah, I. So sad. The One of the directors on my team is a big horse lover she has a horse and is, is like always riding and I told her about this book and I mentioned that there was horse racing as an element and she was like oh I like, can't even think about reading it like horse racing is like so like disgusting and so horrible so I don't really know the ins and outs but like her immediate response was like wow but then it's like maybe today horse racing is more abusive than it was then but it was like back then they abused humans so how good could they have been to a horse right yeah. you know it's and also like so humane because the also the, 50s. they kept talking about Very like true. how there are certain trainers who like had like um their tactics were like to be rough and like to hit them and stuff like right if that goes on now i'm, I'm just, sure that it does because the thoroughbred is a thoroughbred no matter the era and they still have to break them mm, yeah no but this sounded like abuse like it's like they would hit them until they listened I'm sure that happens. That's yeah. so There's no sad. way in hell. That's called breaking a horse, right? No, they don't do that on Yellowstone. They break <laughs> him in a different way. In a different way, but it's also a different end game. Like, you need to break that horse so that it sits in that gate and it runs exactly where you want it to. On Yellowstone, yeah. you just ask the horse to do what it was born to do. I just feel like that's not how they With broke Lexington. With a person on their back. That's not how they broke Lexington. Right, exactly. So there's another way. That's According what to I'm Geraldine now, it's like, are you, a, are you a horse training expert? They didn't do otherwise. that to Secretariat. Jared had different methods. Jared had different methods. It's true. After this, I want to give it a shot. You know, being a horse. Maybe if I just <laughs> live with the horse and am there when it's born and sleep with it, like, could be a star. Could be a star. Mm-hmm. On page 71, Thomas Scott, who's from the 1852 Meadows-Lexington era, the artist writes, quote, we who think we are above enslaving our fellow man are corrupted. Only show us absolute agency over the apt and the willing, and suddenly we find the planter's obduracy that much less odious. I must guard against the rank seductions of this place, end quote. How does the author draw out the similarities and differences between northern and southern attitudes in this era through Thomas J. Scott, a practiced observer who moves between the regions? I didn't even realize that was his role in the book. Same. Like I'm to, like, oh, what a good point. To show us like a northerner perspective in a slave society. Yeah. And I feel like even though Thomas Scott was white, he was poor. <laughs> and the contrast of him at one point with Jarrett, when Jarrett was like running his own business and Thomas Scott came in to visit him, it showed the differences of like how poor white men were treated in society as more than even if they were in poverty. Yeah. It's a really good point. And I do feel like Thomas Scott is as much supposed to be like the lens for the reader because he's an outsider. And so you're seeing it all from the outside perspective. And then I think to answer this question, it's like once he is so embedded in that society, like as he says, like he has to take care to not fall prey to it. Yes. And then I I think, so I think the larger point is like, the northerners and the southerners like were might have been a lot more similar than they thought yes yeah and i feel like that's a takeaway in all almost every book we read it's like we're all actually exactly the same <laughs> yeah yeah it's like that um experiment where they made 
people prison guards yeah. to see if they would become corrupt, like, corrupt oh, and aggressive. Yeah. And like they all literally were like the second they got that power, they're like, oh, you guys are like about to succumb to my. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. So nuts. And I thought it was really interesting when Thomas got talked about like the prisoners from the South, like when first he was uh, helping as a medical aide and he would talk to the prisoners and try and like, you know, get to know them and what they're fighting for. And he was like, and then I stopped because these people are a lost fucking cause. Yes. And they're, they're nothing more than like complete defeat that will have them accept what's true mm-hmm. and what's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Next question. Several historical figures appear in the novel, among them the emancipationist newspaper publisher Cassius Clay and his daughter, the suffragist Mary Barr Clay. What are the Cassius Clay's arguments for emancipation to the Warfield family? Do you see the roots of what would become Mary Barr Clay's passion for the women's suffrage movement in the way she is portrayed in her youth? What are their respective strengths and limitations, and how do novels make historical figures come alive for us beyond what we might find in a work of nonfiction? Had you guys heard of Mary Barclay as a no, big suffragette? But I really thought her and Jarrett were going to get together. Same. <laughs> but he was yeah. like, no, get away. Yeah. yeah. Get out of my room. I had heard of her. And I think that her witnessing of like her dad's like nefarious behavior when he was in New Orleans. Is that in Mexico? Like Mexico, sorry. Um, probably like shed light on like. Like, I, I want, like, a better world than this. And, like, what am I going to stand for? Um, so I could... And, like, seeing that he was so vocal about what he believed is right, like, I'm not surprised that she followed in his footsteps in a yeah. Yeah. similar vein of outspoken, perf- like... Mm, activism? Activism. Yeah. Thank you, nice. Snitch. Snitch. It would have been cool if I knew who she was before than, like, to see her in her childhood. Like, yeah. In the way that the author set it up, like witnessing these instances that have shaped her as the woman and activist that she becomes. And now that I think back on it, it's like kind of heavy handed because it's all like stuff with her dad's affair and his activism, which leads her to be a feminist activist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then also, I think it was at the epilogue where it talks about like Cassius Clay getting a post to be the Russian ambassador for uh, yeah. President Lincoln. Oh, yeah. And that he had like a like a notorious affair in that realm also and in terms of his views it it felt a little less racially motivated to like free the people and more economically motivated where he was just drawing comparisons of like in the north people get paid and they have a better economy than we do with slaves like he was very much pragmatic 100 percent uh a, a race champion yeah. like you know the amazing ethical person there yes. was definitely like other motives behind what he was doing or at least that's how the book made it seem but i imagine that's based on his yes history and when he found jared and mary in the stall late at night when he was helping her he treated jared with disrespect right. and it kind of highlighted how like the, you think this guy is this hero superpower freeing all of the slaves and like no he's corrupt too but he just wants economic prosperity right and at times you thought he was going to be kind and he was nasty and at times you thought he was going to be nasty yes. and he was kind yes. so he i'm sure like everyone else like he was a very layered person but he wasn't just like what you would think of when you think of an abolitionist and such an ardent like champion yes. for abolitionism is like someone who w- would do right in all of these situations. Yes, totally. It was surprising. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Aren't you supposed to be one person? Yeah. yeah. And now you're another? Yeah. Agreed. Next, Becky's favorite part. Martha Jackson was a real American gallery owner and art collector. Discuss her portrayal in Horse and what her relationship to the painting of Lexington conveys about her character. What does her storyline contribute to the novel's themes? 
What did her chapters reveal to you about America in that era? And did you notice any similarities between the art world of the mid-20th century and the horse racing economy of a century prior? I mean, wow. That's a really good observation question yes. asker. The questions are the answers. The questions yeah. are the answers. I didn't think of it that way before, but it's all about ownership. Yeah, that's actually so true. Um, well, I thought she was a fascinating character. I thought it was unbelievably coincidental that her <laughs> mother's horse was in the same line as Lexington. But I have to imagine that that's true historical They said facts. the mom falling off the horse and dying was true. But the, if the mom's horse was total eclipse and total eclipse is a I don't think that was true. Oh, never mind. I'm pretty sure it, at the end of the book they said that that was not to true. To your point, it is so confusing having such a fact-heavy book. And then it's like, what part with are these, the facts yeah. and then what part are the fallacies? Like, that exactly. Yes. Like, I'm pretty sure they were like, she really did die on a horse, but it wasn't a... Um, Lexington Descendants. Correct. Um, they should make a movie called Descendants about all of Lexington's foals. So many. Yeah. Just a free idea. <laughs> but I really enjoyed reading about like the art world at that time and like the trends of the art world and also like how she came into like establishing herself and like discarding like her family ties mm -hmm. when like she could have been like one thing like very prominently and she's like no like these are my passions um and I feel like it actually mirrored the later era when it's like she had a, a moment where she was like not knowing what she wanted to do with her life but then she finds her beat and her area of expertise and she is able to make that into her whole career it reminded me of Jess and the bones and it's like Martha and yes. art criticism and I always think it's so cool and I also kind of don't believe it when it's like oh yeah I just bought art, some random art when it was like cheap and it turns out to be you know Picasso Jackson no, Pollock yeah yeah Chagall just, but sure. this whole thing <laughs> this whole thing but I think also the similarity between the art world and the horse racing world of yore is that as Thomas Scott said like when he would paint the horses it was all about how the owner of the horse saw himself in the picture of the horse. And I think that's probably how art collectors feel, especially in that era. It's like how that picture makes you feel and what it says about you as an owner. So true. Yeah, well I said. like that. Makes you think. There were a lot of really good like connecting points between the eras, but also the characters. Like I felt like the author drew a lot of subtle connection points between Jarrett and Theo yeah. both being yeah. like oh, black definitely. men in America but in totally different eras yes and in some ways it was overt and other ways like more subtle where even like when they would have a reaction to something like in both instances they would suppress their reaction and either conceal it and like nothing happened mm -hmm. or you know give a reaction that was just different to how they were actually feeling and I feel like Jarrett did that a lot obviously because of his station but for Lexington he did a lot too so that like the horse wouldn't oh great point I cool. love the horse connection of the anger temperament yes yeah and then Theo felt that he needed to do that to exist in this yes. world like oh, his 100%. reaction originally with his neighbor was like just a white woman white womaning and then other times it was harder to keep his cool with that stuff but yes the suppression of anger across the two time periods was like very poignant Oh, yeah. Like with Jess, I remember she was like so apologetic and she, yeah. she's like, I feel horrible. He's like, of course, we're talking about like your feelings. Right. In you're these like, moments. I'm the one who oh, was offended yeah. yes. and you're the victim. Yes. And the same thing happened with like Jared and Mary Barr when she was um, she in his room late at night. Yeah. But she like 
I guess like spilled something or like maybe told I don't she did something that was like a big fuck up she's like I'm so upset I'm so sorry like please will you forgive me and he's like I mean you just ruined my life and I'm consoling you right yeah right 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 yeah I like drew that through line to Theo and Jess and then I think it's also interesting I'm realizing it now like Jess had the luxury of wearing her heart and her emotions on her sleeve and like just said what she want like you gave whatever reaction like she was just and I think you know, someone like her is just seen as like quirky and like, but some people don't have the luxury of being yes. able to emote like yes. that. Correct. Yes. Next question. Referring to the civil war on page 87, Jess says, quote, not my war unless you call Australia the very deep South. Theo is also not American. Nevertheless, they're both forced to reckon with the legacy of slavery, particularly Theo, who encounters racism in his daily life. How does this affect their relationship and what does the novel reveal about the way history shapes our present moment? But I felt like their relationship was so strained by their initial encounter. And I felt like they never had an honest conversation about like, what happened yes and then really like two scenes later I think like they're they didn't even at one point she's like am I falling for this guy and then next time we see them it's even if it's like 100 pages later like they're waking up together in bed so I felt like they never really got to like the heart of the matter on their on that initial like racially charged incident Mm -hmm. that happened but then at a certain point it's like oh they're they're OTP and and they're together forever and it, it up, right in, up until like Theo is killed because Jess is like having feelings about like them moving to Australia together. Yes. And like, yeah, and him coming in a year from then. Yeah. Like she's making plans. Mm-hmm. I was also laughing at when he was describing her and was essentially like the way he did it. He's like, she's not like the other girls I dated. She doesn't care what she looks like yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she wears no makeup. She doesn't think before she speaks. It was yeah. like supposed to be complimentary. But in reality, I was like, I feel like you're kind of calling her ugly. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't getting, like, the vibe that she was, like, this, like, glamorous, like, effortless girl. And, like, that he was loving her despite the fact that she was a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, last question. Discuss Theo and Jess's relationship more than we just did. What do you think attracts them to one another despite their differences? And what do you think they learn from each other? I think their intelligence is their biggest common ground. Yeah, that's true. And I think, like, respect for one another on that level of, like, I respect you for being so smart about this thing, there's so much I can learn from you. And like, we're both just a couple of intellectuals. Yes. No big deal. Mm -hmm. For sure. And they have the Australian commonality. Yeah, that's true. And I think that him recognizing that she reminds him of the best time in his life is really self-aware and probably a big part of why he felt so comfortable with her. Mm -hmm. Um, And their relationship like right up until the end was like very very sweet and they fell into step like pretty quickly i like their conversations like they were just so astute and intelligent and like even their dirty talk about like oh do you know any paintings where the subject is naked yeah (laughs) it was ridiculous but they had good banter agreed um okay let's get into the redheads questions because the first one is about the end of the book which we need to talk about this redhead asks what did you all think about the Theo storyline at the end of the book? I personally found his death to be an unnecessary plot twist. It felt jarring and rushed. And while I know the author wanted to examine themes of how racism still permeates our society, I felt that she could have accomplished that without inserting a police officer shooting Theo to death. What is your take on this? I pretty much agree with that. Mm-hmm. I felt like the book was closing and then this opened up this huge thing that should be its own book. Yeah, And I felt like that was 
the author's way of like drawing a tie between like racism today versus racism back then, which is a great like thread to string through this whole book, which I thought she did so well in so many other instances. But it just left the book with, I I left the book with obviously a horrible feeling where everything else was just coming to an end. And I just, I felt like, okay, well that's a a whole nother book that we could be reading. And it, it left it so unsettled. Like we, it's just kind of like, it happened and then just has to figure out what she's going to do. And there's the press around it and whatnot. But then it's just like so horrible. Perfectly said. I felt like if they were going to do that, I wish they gave it the treatment it deserved in a longer book or a totally different book. Yeah. Or earlier in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And then we not just like 10 pages really worked through it instead of just like throwing that in at the end to to draw some sign some sort of like line and conclusion through yeah. the whole book. But I think it actually undid the work that she was like painstakingly doing throughout the book successfully successfully exactly agreed that was in the beginning when I was describing my relationship with this book I think it was a very abrupt ending slash element that I was not prepared for and not that I need to be prepared for something that grueling but it was just I was like we're going this direction okay like yeah Next redhead question. I love vocabulary and this book was full of new words for me. How many words did you have to look up? I'm so glad that this person asked this question because this was the book that made me realize that I don't have a proper dictionary on my Kindle. I was just like <sighs> highlighting words and Wikipedia uh, would come up, which I just always went with. I never thought about it. I always thought I had the dictionary. But then there were a few times that nothing come up. I thought I didn't have service, so whatever. And then I investigated and it was like, you don't have a dictionary set up. So I downloaded one. All you have to do is like go to your settings it says like uh device dictionary whatever yeah pick like an oxford english one or whatever your language of choice hugely helpful hugely helpful so yeah the new word i learned was gelding which is castrating a male horse to like weaken his temper whoa and so boston was gelded and that's lexington's dad but it didn't change anything like why would it I never heard of the word articulated in that context. Me yeah, me neither. I learned so many new words. You yeah. guys, I was literally dictionarying everything. I was like, either I can't speak English or like this is like the, no, I felt the same crazy vocabulary. It was so interesting. That's why I like, I really liked this book. I also didn't know me the too. word. It was so well written. So we haven't well even written. talked about that. What was the word on the bike where they were carrying the paintings when they rode their bikes? I didn't know that word either. One word that they used all the time, chagrined. Yeah, yeah. It was to Theo's chagrin. Yes. I was like, are we, are we like leveraging some Yiddish? Right I now? love that. It was everywhere. So Sorry, G, I don't know the word you're talking about. There's only like 7,000 possible yeah, options. It started with a P. It was like, I, I'm assuming a basket on front of a bike. But I like, do know I what never, you're talking about yeah. now. Because I was like, what is this Yes, thing? yes. It's clearly on everyone's fucking bike. Yeah. That's so funny. I mean, Honestly, guys, like when I see a word I don't know, I just skip. Unless it's mostly, germane to, like, to the sentence. Yes. And, and in this book, like, I wanted to know all the time. Sure, I skip. But, like, I just was interesting. I did think my one gripe with this book is that I felt like it was a bit dense. Like, it was a little bit too detailed. Like, there Agreed. were... Like, I could skip pages. Yeah. Like, I could go from one line. Like pages, no difference in between. pages with not a new paragraph. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. no indentation. But I felt like if I skipped something, I had to go back. Like, I actually thought I couldn't follow it By without the way, spoiler, you could. <laughs> um, 
even that question that you just read earlier about Thomas Scott and Odious, I remember reading that line and having to look up every like other word mm. in order to understand the message that he was getting across. And now I don't remember what those words meant. So when you just reread that um, question, I was like, I actually don't know what you're asking me because like, I, I still haven't learned those words. That's so funny. <laughs> and that's yes. just me being honest. Okay, next question. And we've got to move through stuff because we are weren't a no months to listen to a two-hour podcast and yeah we might have to do like the year in review in a different like little bonus episode i think we'll have time we we'll just see. have to leave by six okay well, not just the, like no offense is anyone to listen to a two-hour of this episode. riveting stuff i'm, just, I'm just saying of this guys. riveting stuff let us know we have millennials like they don't have All right, we'll keep it we'll keep our answers quick next yeah. question Love this month's pick up until they brought in COVID in the last couple of pages. Do we Ditto. think that any author writing about, oh, this is a good question. Do we think that any author writing about the late 2019, early 2020 time feels obligated to mention COVID in some way? I just felt like it was totally unnecessary and kind of left me with a sour note for the book. I was annoyed I agree. Too. Like once we got there, I was just like, please. 100%. Yeah. I was like, no, why are we too. ending on this? I like, was annoyed. so not pertinent to the conversation. Yeah, when she was, oh my God. Yeah. Like we're not going to close the book and be like, but the author didn't mention COVID. That's a no for No, but we're supposed to close the book Theo just dies by the hands of the police and we know that they're about to go into a pandemic for the next two years like I don't feel good yeah I no. don't feel good <laughs> no I agree I I understand like being a history book like it'd be weird if she's mentioning like the civil war and like these big huge things and doesn't like sprinkle it in so the way that she did it didn't bother me like I'm on a plane and people are wearing masks and there's a new virus and that, that was it like that was fine to me yeah I hate reading about COVID, but it wasn't like so. It wasn't our country. Yeah. No, but it was just like, ugh, like, oh, <laughs> we go read historical fiction to like escape and be in a different era. And now we're back now we're here. on a plane in a mask. Now we're on a plane in a mask. Yikes. Okay. So let's move on to the moral of the story, which is. Don't beat horses. Ooh. History repeats itself. Ooh. I like that. I, I. Like animals are better than humans. Yeah, yeah, like that. What is that song from Frozen? Reindeers are better, better than, than people. people. That's the moral of the story. Reindeers are better than people. Truly. That's mine. Okay, Hollywood treatment. This would be an amazing movie, like Oscar winning. Yeah. So who If done right. If done right. So who will be winning these Oscars? Okay. Uh let's start with Jarrett. And he changes ages over the course of the book um so let's do like around 20 years old like when he's in um new orleans with lexington i had caleb man. mclaughlin he is from stranger things mm. oh yeah that's a good one i had a hard time casting this book i like didn't imagine anybody yeah uh, there's only one person who i feel like i cast totally right dana who'd you have for jared michael b jordan oh that's good he would be like a little old for most of the book but he's always He's always good. A great actor. I feel that. I have the same actor as Snitch. Oh. Is his name in Stranger Things Lucas Sinclair? I don't watch Stranger Things. I just know that he started an American Eagle campaign, and that's why I know his face. <laughs> I think it is because I have him as Lewis, Lucas Sinclair. That's oh, so amazing. Funny. I have Jaden Smith. Great one. Oh, that's a good one. Isn't that a good one? Interesting. If it's the Jaden Smith in Pursuit of Happiness, because I feel like Jaden Smith these days, I like, can't act. Okay. I'm sorry. We have to skip ahead because this is so funny. I had Will Smith as Theo. Wow. <laughs> wow. You would hire him. Yes. Slap. Oh. oh. Hell no, Dana. I forgot about the We're slap. Canceling. Yeah. 
Who did you have at Theo? I had Michael Evans Bailing or whatever. He's in All American. Oh, um, love that show. I, yeah, he'd be great. That's great. Bex? I have um, the actor from... Um, is his name Regé Jean-Pierre? Oh, Je- from, from Bridgerton? Bridgerton, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, because I that thought... That is a good one. Because yeah. he's British. Because he's British and he's like, oh, like a little aristocratic and like sexy man yeah, yeah that's actually a really really good one yeah. i had daniel kaluuya and he's also british so they can duke it out for the role that's a good one too and then for jess even though in my head i did not picture her as this person whatsoever but a wonderful australian actress is margot robbie <laughs> oh my god no <laughs> no but they, you know she played tanya harding like she could play a quirky yes <laughs> i had florence Pugh, not australian but i feel like it could work i could see that yeah i had tori spelling what? <laughs> I don't even know you knew who that was. Oh my God. Dead. Oh I had God. Isla Fisher because she's also Australian. That's good. Love oh, her. Oh, great one. Okay, great. Now it is time for our overall rating. Wait, did of- we do Thomas Scott? Oh my God, no. We ha- that's the only one who I cast because I skipped to Theo because you threw in Will Smith. <laughs> that's the only one who I had the perfect cast and that is Paul Sparks who plays the critic in Greatest Showman. Oh, yeah. That's oh. a great one. Yeah. And he's also in, what's that show with Kevin Spacey? House, House of, of Cards. Cards. Oh, my God. You're so right, Jackie. This is him. This is him. Yeah. This is him. Nailed you might not know him. Paul Sparks. Okay, yes. I'm going with Paul Sparks as well. Like, oh, my God. Totally. Wait. I casted someone to- so much younger. I thought who? I thought Thomas Scott was the same age as Jarrett. No. He wasn't much, a little much older. older I did Tom Holland. Okay, oh. fine, because he's Tom. I guess Paul Sparks is 51, but it doesn't matter. He's just the guy. Yeah. He is. I had Chris Pratt, but. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Oh, now it is time for the overall rating of this book. Let's start with Dana. What did you rate? Horse? I rated a 4.4. Nice. Satchelor? 4.2. Nice. Me too, Snatchler. 4.2. Wow. And I'm going with a four. Divided by four is a 4.2. That feels feels right. right. That That feels feels right. right. And now I can go to my handy dandy spreadsheet. Yes. Where I can see where this ranks amongst the other books. Jax, while you're doing that, I'd like to point out. When Jess brought the painting back to the neighbor who is the crotchety old lady. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was clearly the stolen painting from, from the Civil War. The Civil yes. War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going down to like his great grandpa. Horrible yeah. descendant the, and yeah. another horrible The man horrible descendant a- continues and now the horrible descendant's wife is getting fifteen grand, <laughs> which is a low ball offer if you But gave ask Theo me. an inscription in the museum. Right. And also she was abused by him. So she's like someone that you can root for too especially since it she that, was abused that, by him she was abused by her husband she was yeah i think so abuse they didn't abuse. like overtly say he beat her but the I thought insinuation he just, like, was that like he was a she like fucking guy hated and him she hated she him and was throwing the all the shit to the curb yeah i don't know if he abused her but that's the vibe i got oh that, like, I, she I didn't oh him. i just yeah, thought i got, got the vibe that he was like a piece of shit drunk smoke yeah wait okay so can we just break it down there's two paintings i thought that she was really one is with the smithsonian no don't ask me about the paintings. I was there so were I think two paintings. There was three paintings. The oh. little colt with the white hooves that he did just is like the one on a that whim. was stolen during the Civil War. The one that Theo got. Okay, that's Smithsonian. That's stolen during the Civil. That's 
not Smithsonian. Theo got it and he gave it to the... Yeah, but that was like they were at the Smithsonian that, yeah, that with was it. the one that they were investigating the whole time. And where are the other two? The other two, one of them was the one that... Um, Mar- Martha. Martha put in a gallery. Okay. And then the third one was just the picture of Lexington that was like a draft picture that... Um, Is that the one that the the rich, the billionaire in Australia... Did he buy one or no. did he just hire Jess? He hired, hired Jess. Jess. No, but the one that was the draft one is the one that Jarrett bought back from the newspaper. The newspaper. Yeah. And then where did it go? It might still be with them. I don't know if we know. I don't know. That's a good point. Okay, but this ranks as um, right below lessons in chemistry and right above nothing to see here. In I could see that for us. Yeah, I that like feels that. right. I, yeah, I, I feel like also... I need like some time with this book to see how it, it, yeah. it ages. It's so crazy how like things I rated this year as fours or fives. Completely agree. Things I fives or fours. So totally. We'll see. Now it is time for the other books that we read this month. Snitch, let's start with you. What did you read? Ooh, um, let's see. What did I? I feel like I definitely did read something else this month. Oh, I read a not so meat cute by Megan something. It was cute. You guys would hate it. So mm-hmm. Claudia had me read it. Then I read Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez, also a really cute book that you guys would hate. Um, And then I read Forever Never by Lucy Score, which was slow, but I did end up liking it. All three are stupid books that I wildly enjoyed that it just seems like not. you have left me in the dust as like the girlies who don't read in between red episodes. <laughs> Emily. And Wait, I'm just what do you, you guys mean? both she used to not have read. I used oh. to, like, uh, like Jax is about to ask me what else I read this month, and I'm gonna be like nothing. But I just got engaged, guys. Like, let me live my fucking life. You oh, busy so month. sorry. Yeah. yeah, totally. Dana, what did you read? I read Mad Honey by Jody Bacall. Ended up loving it. 4.0. Our Missing Hearts by Celeste Ning. I didn't really like it. 2.9. The Book of Goose by Yi Yun Lee. Okay. 3.5. The Marriage Portrait by Maggie O'Farrell. Jackie, I think you would love it. 3.3. And Signal Fires by Daniel Shapiro. Love that one. 4.1. Amazing. I will be reading Marriage Portrait. I just, when you recommended it, had to come off of like the same era and I needed a break. But I read The Princess Spy, which was a nonfiction book about a girl who went to be a spy in World War II. She went to Spain. It was like neutral territory. And she wound up becoming a princess there. It's a true story. It's by Larry Loftus. But I would not really recommend it. Three stars. Then I read The Accidental Empress by Alison Pataki. It's about Cece. She was Queen Elizabeth of Austria. And she is who the show The Empress is based on. So once I watched that show, which I loved, I wanted to know more about her story. So I read The Accidental Empress. And I realized that so much of that show is literally fake and it bothered me, but I'll just separate the two. Then I read The Last Wait, Rose. Wait, didn't Alison Pataki write another book that you liked? The didn't Queen's we see her Fortune. speak? You saw Dana? her speak, Rebecca. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dana's with me. Oh, we cool. both saw her speak. Yeah, 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 she right. um, also wrote The Queen's Fortune, which I loved. It's about like Napoleon's first girlfriend. Because I remember texting you being like, you need to read this book. And you're like, I have, bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, she's a great author of historical fiction. She finds like amazing women in history and tells their story and expands on it. So but cool. she really researches them. Like at the end of each book, she explained like what what parts were true about Cece that she expanded on and also like in the book about Cece 
she married the emperor of Austria and in real life the emperor had two siblings in the book she doesn't mention the siblings because she was like there's already too many characters and they're not important so stuff like that I find interesting then I read The Last Rose of Shanghai by Wina Die Randall and it was really good and interesting it's about the Jews of Europe in the Holocaust who fled to Shanghai during the war and like there was a really not huge or thriving but there was a real community of Jews who went there who experienced a whole gamut of treatment there because first it was um a area that was under the Chinese and then there was parts of it that were split between the French American Chinese Japanese like it kept on turning over in terms of who had control over it and by the end of the war the Japanese had control and it's about the Jews there, but also the Chinese people who were there and how they were treated. It's about a Jewish man from Germany who comes to Shanghai during the war and he falls in love with a Chinese heiress there. And it's it was crazy. I would well, recommend it, especially if you want to, like Bex, you would really like it. And I liked it for myself because I learned so much about a, peri- a time and a place that I knew nothing about. Love that. So four stars for me. Then I read Cece, Empress on Her Own, which was the sequel to the other Cece book I read by Alison Pataki because it was just about like the latter half of her life. I gave it three stars. I was not sure if I wanted to read the sequel. I was like, I've had enough Cece, but I'm also like interested because her later years, shit gets crazy. Um, And then I had enough. I was like, okay, great. Then I snuck in one more book. Now is not the time to panic by Kevin Wilson because we love him. He wrote nothing to see here. Mm -hmm. And I found that book, new book, uh, to be dreadful. Dana, (laughs) I think you should read it because I want to know what you think about it. I'm sure you'll find, you'll love it. I would not recommend it to people who- Is it short? Yeah, it's in the 200s, but it felt long because it stung. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it for people who typically agree with my taste. That's all I'll say. Okay. I'll read it. I hate when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now it is time for our top three Redheads books of the year. Everyone's going to give their top, and then using those numbers, I will give us our official list. Yes. And then later this month on Instagram, we'll be voting the, re- the, the, the readers. Bracket. The bracket. This yeah, is yeah. editorial. Got it. Are you guys going to tell us how many books you read this year? Because like oh, yeah. mostly Dana and we'll Jack. Do that. I'm when, at 44, bitch. Wow, that's and more than me counts. You, you have to remind me how to look. <laughs> you look at it at good, on Goodreads, that's how you know? I'm at 40. You read more than me. How is that possible? Goodreads, yeah. Okay. At the your 2022 You're reading at challenge. 40? Yeah. How? How? Because it's high or low. You literally read five books a month. No, but I had a baby. So there was like a, a couple months. Okay, maybe there was like literally one month that you weren't reading five books There a was month. a couple months where, where you, I Maybe didn't. I looked in the wrong place on Goodreads. Put Give me your me phone. in touch with your Goodreads. My rep? Data. You think it should be more? I agree. It should be more. It's like fucking hurtful. I'm reading sh- challenge. My 44 of 30 books. Yeah, counselor. What the fuck? But wow. you never share with us. I always share. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Counts. That's so crazy. Plot twist. <laughs> Dana, do you want me to do yours? Yeah. Do I need the app or can I do you it? You need on? the app. Okay. Here. Next. Oh, our top three redheads book. Snitchy. Oh, okay. I have to go in order, right? Let's go from three to two to one. Can someone else go first? I'm like, I'm, I have two I have as mine. my last. Three, Flicker in the Dark. Mm. Okay. Oh, mm. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I thought I had this figured out, but like Actually, now I'm rereading it and I'm disagreeing. Let's all do our threes and then we'll do okay. twos and then one. So you had three, Flicker in the Dark. Three, Flicker in the Dark. I have three, Girls with Bright Futures. I have three, Lessons in Chemistry. Three, Lessons in Chemistry. Okay, so I need to, this is like <laughs> always where my brain circuit uh, yeah, starts to short. In, the dark 
girls with bright futures <laughs> and lessons in chemistry. Okay, so it gets it gets one point if we rated it a three. Okay, so you two. <laughs> so we gave it. So it's, we this book has two points. Two points. Which and one? Yours have one. Lessons in chemistry, chemistry has two, two so far. Mine has one, and Rebecca's has one. Yes. Great. Next number two, Rebecca. Lessons in chemistry. Great. That gets two points. I'm fucking up already. <laughs> Then I had number two, Flicker in the Dark. As did I. As did I. Great. Oh my God. And number one, what did people have? You guys already used the good books. I did Hester. What? <laughs> you guys, you forget, I loved Hester. I but thought like, You guys aren't going to agree with mine either, so it's fine. It? Okay, I had Lessons in Chemistry. Interesting. I had Everything I Know About Love. Me too! Oh, Are the same you? Exact thing. I think you did. <laughs> It wasn't everything in Novella Flicker. I loved that book. I really did. Trash. (laughs) If I could see Dolly now, I'd smack her. (laughs) I'm in shock and awe, and I'm tabulating the numbers now, and that definitely changed things. But I think we have the same thing. I think we do too. It should be be called Everything I Don't Know About Love and Everything I Sort of Half Ass Know About Like (laughs) Other Shit. Our number three book of the year is A Flicker in the Dark. Okay. Our number two book of the year is Everything I Know About Love. <laughs> and our number one book of the year is Lessons in Chemistry. I don't feel good about feel, that. How I does do. that make sense? I think because that makes sense. I thought Flicker right. in the Dark would be number one. No, it got, it was two people's number twos and one person's it was number th- three. It was my number three. I cannot three. believe everything I know about love is on that list. I'm like <laughs> rocked. You guys, like, I, can't I have, believe it was me and Smith. Just too glad it's not number one, okay? It could have been. It almost like, was. I need to, like, it almost was. Like informally rescind my Resign. position. You're resigning. That's so funny. I'm re- I don't, I mean, you know what? It's so fine. We all have our opinions. We the same book and we picked our top That's one of this year. That's crazy. Unreal. Wow. Okay, editor's note, the girlies were right. That did not make sense. I fucked up the math and I realized it while I was editing. (laughs) The actual rankings of editor's choice, best redheads book of the year, is a tie between Flicker in the Dark and Lessons in Chemistry. They're tied for one and two. Number, sorry, they're tied for one. Number two is Everything I Know About Love. And then number three is Hester. So... Just needed to correct that. We are known for our taste in books, not our math skills. Okay, now let's... But can I just say one thing? Mm. And this goes to me as well. Mm. I had a really hard time making the list because we read some really shitty books this Agreed. year. And we need to do better going you into 2023. You know what's so funny is like glass half full. I was like... I'm having a hard time because like we read great books. No, oh. we had a few in the really latter bad half. months. The latter half of the year, every book has really been like worthy of. But no, the, the latter way, half of the year has been great. I, sorry, we, all roads change it, but I like forgot to. Think I said about I, horse says something from this year because I thought we about it. it. I thought yeah. about it, okay. but I think I still liked Girls with Bright great, Futures great, great. as a whole better. I just thought it was like a little juvenile for like my girls like, list. Bright. Yeah, Girls with Bright Futures. That's why. Like, but you I know went. what? Here's the thing: we're not going to critique people for their opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, what? one day we'll look back on this and be like, unless what your were they opinion, thinking? unless your opinion is everything Stupid. I know about love, it's niche. That's funny. I'm happy for you guys, but I'm also happy it wasn't number one. Like the list, yeah. the sanctity is preserved. Thank God. And I think we can all agree that lessons in chemistry, like yes, as a universally whole, accessible. We all love. Like, oh my God! And it's was my choice <laughs> yeah oh my gosh i need to give a congratulations oh my god um who, thank you so who much. was everything i know about love satchel me you picked that book yeah. okay oh thank you so, it's so much you guys yourself. for this consideration it was a joy to pick the book to read Jax. for you guys and i'm so glad that that it's my year okay but jack's mazel tov we're so happy for you and the third is um flicker in the dark which is was that Dana. my pick no oh my god <laughs> You don't. I you're like, the yeah, only, right. 
<laughs> you're the only one who doesn't have one that in girl's the top three. I was literally about to be like, Dina, loser. You're not on the list. You're not on the podium. You're the one. But honestly, last year. I was like, year, damn, she's really going out for me. Last, last year, year, I was the only one who wasn't on top three. So What was our number one last year? Clara and the Sun, because Dana and I both rated it number one. Oh, my God, trash. <laughs> so, but you know what? We're going to put it up to the readers and then. How does it make sense? So if you you and Dana rated it number one and it's number one on our not, list, but me and Dana rated it. Let, um, let me I explain, you fucking bitch. <laughs> so many people have lessons in chemistry. Lessons in chemistry got yeah. so many other points. Oh, uh, you know, it's so annoying. I, I had lessons in chemistry slash run, rose, run, and I couldn't uh, decide. I was, I run, gotta rose, do it second. Run, was good because we hadn't read something good in a while, but in hindsight, it was fucking trash. Run, and, like, trash, those run. People kept, those people kept coming up to her to beat her up. <laughs> not kill her yeah, yeah, yeah. it was sure. like, honestly james patterson phoned it in with that yes and then dolly parton sprinkled some country references yeah. but he should be fucking ashamed he you know should. he slapped dolly's name and was like i'm phoning it in for this Beating one her up, but never killed her they just showed up all the time to beat her up remind her but it's like if she's such an issue for you guys that you're wasting all this gas mileage on worrying about her like to break her nose you could like, kill her no one's gonna miss her kill her come on <laughs> Percent. If it ain't broke, <laughs> can't fix it. Fix it. Okay, Rose. Um, oh, Snatcher wants to finish up. Okay, and then our top three other books that we read this year. I guess Becky, since you only read two other books this year, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I, I read a bunch of other books oh, this oh, year. Oh, good. Okay, what were your top three? Um, my third shoe dog, uh, amazing book, um, by Phil Knight about the founder of um nike but i don't need to do, give a description we'll just do titles yeah number two this tender land by william kent kruger epic book number one fucking iconic read for those who haven't read it it's truly one of my new favorite books rules of civility yeah. by amor tolls a but that's what's so crazy i read that last year it didn't make my top three but when i think about my favorite books of all time it's now on the short yeah. list yeah, yeah crazy my top three number three this is so weird and, and I'm gonna like be like what was she thinking number three my year of rest and relaxation I like that it was such a fucking weird book you guys would hate it but it was great you would hate it number two lessons in chemistry what wow. number one before we were yours by Lisa Wingate oh my god I hated that book it's so funny you're obsessed with it yeah no it was like a true story that I never heard it was I love that okay number three is it happened one summer Tessa Bailey <laughs> so good so good Number two, Things We Never Got Over by Lucy Score. And number one, Love in Other Words by Christina Lauren. Fire Flames. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Nice. Dana? Number three, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Number two, Cider House Rules by John Irving. And number one, Notes on an Execution by Danya Kukafka. Oh, yeah. You love that book? Loved that book. Amazing. Those were three, like, of my favorite books ever. That's okay, awesome. Okay, so I'm going to turn this all into great snackable Instagram content. <laughs> and we will be running a poll on our Instagram of the best book of the year. So stay tuned for that. Now we need to leave. We need to go to Claudia's show. And we just need to end this episode. If you're still listening, what's next <laughs> month's book? Oh, God. No one's even going to pay attention. Our next book is The It Girl by Ruth Ware. It's a little bit mystery. Okay. It, why'd you read it? No. No, oh. she just didn't like the title and she gave me a, a funny look, but I'm so on board for this. Oh, no, it's it's a departure. It's like, I feel like it's going to be like flicker in the dark, sort of. Yeah, oh, yeah, great, it's like great. it's basically like the one liner is at like the it girl in high school, whoever in love, blah, blah, blah. She died. <gasps> what happened next? What happened next? Okay, I'm on board. Can't wait. Kicking off the new year with a strong snitches choice. And I see that book on all the good lists. So I feel really good about it. Thank you guys so much for your time, listeners. If you've made it to the end, you are a real one. We love you. Love we ya. will see you next year. I hope everyone has a great, blessed 
uh, book holiday choice, season. holiday season of reading. You know, mm-hmm. I hope you find good books to read this holiday season because this month is the season of reading. Let's yes. be real. For sure. Love ya. Love Bye. ya. Bye. 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 Awesome, guys.